work ethic. Again, something that is actually very spiritual. Uh, not something that's just kind of what we talk about down here on earth. Um, work ethic is very spiritual. What was your first job? Some of you might know this story of mine. Lifelong dream to work at Camperia. I was a little disappointed when they put me in the kitchen. I was 15. And the very first day I went to work, my very intimidating boss, who now that I look back was probably 19, <laughs> said, hey, why don't you just get a bowl, fill it with creamers for coffee and tea and things like that. So I did what everyone did. And I got the bowl. And I took these individual creamers. And I ripped them all open. And when I, it took me about 20 minutes. The bowl was about halfway filled. I got caught with a glaring look like, what in the world are you doing? And I said, that's what you told me to do. I don't know. But I'll tell you this, is that, um, man, the, the, what I learned about work, working at Camperia, was priceless. Uh, I don't even know if it was done all that correctly, meaning like if we were one minute late to work, there was huge consequences. There was things called slackers. If you stopped your work to talk to someone, you got called out right away because you were there to work. And, and we didn't get paid anything, really. I think it was like, it was almost like it would have been better if it was free. We got paid like $30 a week. But um, I, I tell you, I love the fact that that's really, I'm still late to work, so that one didn't work. But um, but I learned I learned work ethic and I learned to to be happy about your work, not to complain about it. And so to me, it's it's very um, spiritual your work and how we do it. We're going to turn to Genesis chapter two, verse fifteen. We're going to build the whole message around this one verse. Well, actually, we'll be in the Proverbs a lot. But why do we work? Period. Very familiar passage, I would think. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. This is before the curse. Work is not part of the curse of sin. We are designed to work. In fact, if you're not working, you probably, uh, you probably have problems with that. <laughs> There's numerous things that can happen. So we are designed to work. And we're going to talk about all the different types of work and things like that. But here is the principle right here in Scripture. Before sin even entered, there was a job to do. Uh, and we're going to talk about that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so much uh, for your work ethic, uh, your, your um, ministry here on earth, your uh, faithfulness to do menial tasks before your public ministry. Your work of the cross, there's so much we can applaud you for and praise you for your work ethic. And so we again lift up uh, our eyes to see you for your, you are the perfect example in all these Proverbs. Thank you again uh, for your word. We pray that we would grow in our wisdom. Thank you so much that one of the main things we need in life, wisdom, you have promised to us if we simply ask and believe. And so we corporately would ask today, Lord, bless us with wisdom. Give us Wisdom on how to do life, especially when it comes to jobs. In your name, well, Lord, be honored and glorified above all. In your name, amen. All right. 
Genesis 2.15. You know, it's pretty interesting where it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him there. That word put actually means he made him rest. Made him rest. Now, seems like I talk about gardening a lot up here sometimes. I don't, I just enjoy it and it makes me sweat. So, gives a lot of good stories to it. But, um, it's interesting that right off the bat, he puts him in a place where he's basically to be at rest while he's working. So right away, I'll tell you that this whole definition of work, we have to look at the biblical perspective. There's tons of interesting studies out there how Americans work. We work a lot more hours than most countries, and we don't see a lot of fruit in that. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But just remember, I remember that the Lord Jesus himself said, take my yoke upon you, um, for my uh, yoke is easy, my burden is light. Is that work is tough, and yet it should always be this... Um, sense of peace, or you're at rest working hard. It's never supposed to be stressful and, and anxious kind of deal. Um, and so we're supposed to work hard and yet have this rest attached to it. I remember my first, you know, or uh, my second real job working for Big Brothers Big Sisters. Uh, I loved that job. I could have worked for them uh, many, many hours because it was just a great job to do. I got to basically do all positive things and uh, attach younger kids who needed a mentor with older kids who are pretty solid kids and could mentor. And uh, I do a lot for that. So I just want to encourage, as we go through this today, especially for young people, uh, the career you choose matters a lot. <laughs> it matters a lot. Uh, so, so be wise. Read God's Word. Um, age 17, 18, 19, 20. Your pursuit of what you want to start doing for work matters. And you do, and you want to have a perspective about that. You want it to, first of all, be something that's not going to totally stress you out. And then there's a lot of other things to consider about your job. But you really should be at rest. And so the, why we work, the second thing he says here, he put it there to tend it and keep it. Tend it. To cause it to bear fruit. Listen, all of our jobs should be producing something, right? You should see fruit of your labor regardless of what your job is. And I know that there's a rat race here in America to produce more and more and more. And kind of like as the pendulum swings that way, we kind of go, well, your results really don't matter. That's not true. Um, there should be fruit seen from the job you do. And if not, maybe you didn't do it right. Or maybe you were lazy. <laughs> So we have to be very careful. As he says right here to tend it, the idea is, yes, Adam, you're sitting here in the garden. If no fruit comes in the fall, you're done messed up. It's not like, oh, just try your best. There's a piece of this where we should see fruit. And as we said before, this is a biblical perspective. How does God get glorified? It says in John chapter 15, you will bear much fruit. Does not have to be money. Obviously, we, we work for money. There's other reasons we work. We're gonna, again, I keep saying, this, we're gonna talk about this, but the things that we spend our time engaging in, there should be fruit, guys. There should be fruit coming out of that. And our, obviously, number one goal is that we bear much fruit and glorify God the Father. And that can be done through our jobs and our lifestyles. The second thing there is to guard it. To protect what has already been established. To not lose that which is providing for you. This has the idea of stewardship. And I wish, we're not really going to hit up stewardship, stewardship today. We've talked about it before. But stewardship has a lot to do with your job. 
Okay, what God has given you, how you've handled it. But again, if God comes to see Adam in the cool of the day and all the nice uh, fruit and vegetables have all withered away and animals have come in and eaten it and totally messed it up, you done messed up. <laughs> if I teach my kids in sixth grade and they come in with a fifth grade knowledge and at the end of sixth grade they leave with a fifth grade knowledge, I probably should get talked to by my boss. It doesn't matter if I've seen them every day from September to June. If they didn't <laughs> raise their educational level, I messed up. And so these are these things I want to think about when we talk about jobs. You should be bearing fruit, tending it, and guarding it. Protect what is already there. You don't want to lose ground on something that's already been established. So let's talk about jobs in general. There's normal careers, right? I'm a teacher. Some are welders. Some are, you know, who knows? Your eight to five, eight to two job out there. You have stay-at-home mothers, right? A job, taking care of the house, um, raising children, those kinds of things. You have students. We always say this as teachers, that's your job. So any young people in here, your learning process should be looked at as a job right now. And it should bear fruit. It should definitely bear fruit. Any ministry you're a part of. Now, we don't like to really tack it on like a job. We'd like to rather say it's a ministry. But there's an idea there of work ethic. When you are trying to do a ministry as unto the Lord. And then there's just simply other responsibilities. What's your work ethic towards your other responsibilities in life? We said these things before. It's not okay as a believer to let your house just get run down. It's just not. It's not good stewardship. And so these are things my wife always likes to look and go, you know, the grass is getting a little longer. Maybe it's time to weed whack. And usually I say, no, it's okay. And, and yet that's really not a good work ethic, right? So we should take care of some of these responsibilities. So I want to think about all five of these things I've just mentioned when we start getting into why we work and how to work hard. So it can apply to every single one of us in the room. Either the job you're going to every day, being a stay-at-home mom, um, being a student, or your ministries here at Brantford, all these things can be encompassed in our work that needs to be done. Why in the world do we work? I'm going to give you five biblical reasons why we work. Turning your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for, right, for the righteous. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. We are working to provide for our children and enhance their lives. Let's not go crazy and say money doesn't matter. 
Now, obviously, the love of money is the root of all evil. At the same time, as a parent, you have a responsibility before the Lord that those needs are met. That those needs are met. Now, when it says an inheritance, the next line there says wealth. So there's definitely an aspect of money here. It is biblically wise to leave some type of financial inheritance to the next generation. That's biblically wise. But we know that this goes a lot longer than that too, right? A lot deeper. There can be spiritual inheritances left. Leaving a legacy is the way some people put it. And it is our job... That's why we're working, be it a stay-at-home mom, being going out to work every day. If you are a couple with children, our job is to provide for the kids and not just their needs, but also to enhance their lives. Enhance their lives. Providing opportunity for them to grow spiritually. Providing opportunity for them to develop some of their skills. This is all things that sometimes cost money, or they definitely cost time. And we work to be able to do those things, to provide that kind of stuff for them. Two, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5. We're going to read verses 4 through 8. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. Now she who is really a widow and left alone trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. These things command that they might be blameless. But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. This is strong language. Strong language. And why do I say that? Because these are lifestyle goals. It's interesting that we work our whole lives, that at some point take care of younger people, and then as soon as it seems they're probably out of the house and we're almost making more money, we are now taking care of our parents. And that is one of the reasons we work, guys. In a society that kind of has a lot of programs to help people, that's awesome, that's nice, but it should not take away the biblical principle of we're called to provide for our kids and we're called to provide for our parents when they can't take care of themselves anymore. And everyone's got to understand what those lines are. That's between every couple and stuff like that, how you practically go about that. But why do I say that? Because it actually matters what job you have when it comes to that. If you're working numerous hours a week to where you can't provide for your children any time with them, that's probably not a good, wise thing. If you're working jobs where you can't provide for your family later on, you barely made enough to have your kids there, and you have absolutely no way to provide, I'm just talking about temporal needs for your future parents. That's not okay. That's not okay. In fact, I mean, it's just great language where it says um, to uh, repay their parents. This goes again in a responsibility we we hit on just a little bit um, last week. There is an idea of, as a believer, if you were taken care of for the first 18, 19 years of your life, you don't 
owe them anything, but it's just pious to then, when they need to be taken care of later, say, you know what, you took care of me for so many years, you provided such a great environment, you took care of my physical needs, you provided spiritual insight for my spiritual needs, that let me, in turn, take care of you. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop right now. Yeah. Moving on. Second Thessalonians chapter three. I really do wish someone told me these things. See, now I have no money to take care of my parents. That's why I'm preaching. These things really should be taught at an early age. And so, some of us, I understand, as we talk about these things today, we might be stuck. We might have lived lives the last 15, 20 years of getting in debt, not having the right job, and now you really are kind of stuck. So just remember, we're not saying, oh, well, just switch your job and and fix life. We're really trying to say what's the biblical principle so that especially the next generation comes up with this biblical wisdom and doesn't get into some of these same mistakes. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 7 through 12. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some among you in disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. That's a little different than some of the systems woken today in our society. Correct? I'm not getting political at all, guys. This is biblical wisdom. That is a different system than some of the systems we see in our culture today that we're influenced by. You work so that you do not have to live off of charity. That's the saying. Now, again, there's so many circumstances here that there are those who have gone through hard times, and it is also our job as an assembly to take care of physical needs. But I'm going to tell you this, is that there's other things lined up with that. Like, are you working? Have you tried to get a job? Um, and some of those things are just temporary. We will supply money for you until you get a job. But we will not be those that just let you take, you know, quote the Lord's money and just not work. Because that's unbiblical. <laughs> In fact, you'll read in Deuteronomy where it says, really, it's really bad to do that to anyone. Give them respect of earning their keep so they don't feel like they're getting hands out. Give them a job. Give them a job. And so, whew, I'm going to... Let me get a little crazy here. We have to be careful with some of our young people because everyone knows now there's a, a trend in our society where you just get to live with mom and dad till you're 30, 31, 32, not really for any financial necessities except for the fact that you want to play. And then when you really become an adult, then you get to move out. And now you have to really make money and pay your own bills. Guys, that's not good. That's not good. Okay, and I know those are hard decisions. Like, I'm not there yet. If my kid's coming home, they're 23 and they're 24, and they're like, hey, Dad, I'm going to kick them out. I, I really don't know. I will tell you this, those two kicked me out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not a good biblical principle to say, well, I don't really 
want to get a job that makes a lot of money, I'd rather, I don't need to because I'm living with mom and dad. So I can go keep working like part-time somewhere and basically still have fun because I don't have a mortgage, I don't have rent, I don't have all these things. All I have to do is put gas in the car. That's not biblical. <laughs> you have to be those who are not living off of charity. Now again, there's times and situations in everyone's life where someone hits a bump and that's fine. That's totally different. We're talking about lifestyles. Why do we work? I love these. To have influence. Turn to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 16 says this. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Brings him before great men. Turn to Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 29. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. Okay. You work so that you might have influence as a believer. That you might have influence as a believer. Guys, the prosperity gospel has ruined us. Where it's kind of like we're afraid to say, listen, I want the next generation to be before kings. I want them to be in that kind of position. Also that they have influence. Yes, completely humble. But my goodness, do we need more believers in higher positions of authority that they might have influence? Absolutely. You can look at biblical characters all the time of God putting individual believers in high places of authority. Look at Daniel, look at Esther, all these things for such a time as this. That's a mindset, guys. We work and we work hard that we might do a job that if God wants us to have influence over a big sphere of something going on, the Christians are the ones that should be there. <laughs> Not the world. And sometimes we don't see this as valuable. Don't worry about standing before kings. Don't, you know, let's just stay here. Guys, there has been so many amazing things done in the Lord's name. Uh, we, we talked about this sometimes before. Um, you know, missionaries have started hospitals, schools. I mean, all those things. Guys, it takes a lot of work to do those things. Those are not just like, let me volunteer on a Saturday and start a school. That's not how it works. Those are people really working hard to establish something, to have influence over the culture. And we need to be a people, no matter what your job is, that you have influence. Because you're doing a good job and you're working hard. So it doesn't matter what 8 to 5 job you're doing. What you do at your workplace you should be someone of influence because you're a king of kings. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you should have influence on that house and on those children. If you have ministries here, you should be influencing us. Okay. If you're a student, you should have influence. You should have it by your work ethic, by working hard. That's why we work. Finally, the last one, turn to Proverbs chapter 10. We'll start in verse 4. 
He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. We work for riches. That sounds a little crazy on the pulpit sometimes. Okay? But we don't just work for the fun of it. We work for riches. Now, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 4. Do not overwork to be rich because of your own understanding. Cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Is the Bible contradicting itself? I don't think so. So the first one, we work to bring riches. It's actually a result of it. You're not working to pursue riches, but it is a result of hard work. And again, the word riches here is the same word in both verses. means accumulation or growth. We work to produce fruit. Accumulate growth. Okay? So again, as a stay-at-home mom, you might be working for riches that the next generation will have an unbelievable impact on society. That your home has an unbelievable influence and impact on those around. That people can walk into your doors and go, wow, I didn't know a house could be like this. That's why we work. At your job, you should accumulate. If you've never got a raise in the last 10 years, maybe your work ethic is wrong. I mean, maybe it is. If you are a student and you're not learning anything, but you still are studying for four or five hours a day, but you really haven't learned anything. That's not okay. That's not okay. You're working for the result of growth. Growth. Now, we have to be careful because we know that money isn't everything. But at the same time, it's an attitude. We don't work to get rich, but there is a biblical principle that we should be getting more with our work ethic. We should be getting more. How do we work? We gave five reasons why we work. Now, how do we do it? It takes hard work. Turn to Proverbs chapter 14. Verse 23. In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. Another version said, In hard work there is always something gained, but idle talk leads only to poverty. Guys, we have to work hard. We have to work hard. It doesn't mean for more hours necessarily. You know, that's one of the biggest things people complain about American work is that we work like an average of 47 hours a week and yet we don't get the same results that someone working 35 hours a week does because we don't actually work as hard as other places in the world. We sit, we go get a coffee, we talk to someone in the office, something like that. We're not actually working the whole 35 hours. That's why we're dragging it out to 47. 
That's some of the things they say. But hard work, there's always something gained. Anything valuable in life takes hard work. We've talked about this before. Listen, especially in areas of being a student, if you're someone young, they are not going to give you whatever you want. You have to pursue hard work. You have to put in the time. You have to study. You have to memorize. You have to read. You have to do all those things. You cannot magically wake up one day and just be smart and go, oh, I know all this stuff. It takes a lot of hard work. We know this, obviously, in the sports field, right? Those guys have worked continuously. Yes, there's raw talent, but those guys have spent their lives and dedicated their lives to their sport to get at such an elite level, okay? Now, as we talk about this, uh, let's, let's read a few more Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. I'm going to read it in another translation. Hard-working hands gain control, but lazy hands do slave labor. Proverbs 13, verse 4. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. That's what we just read. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Shall be made rich. Okay. One of the things we need to teach the next generation is, yes, you do whatever you do for the glory of the Lord. That's your first principle, to glorify the Lord. But... You do not want to be those for the rest of your life doing what we call slave labor. Hard-working hands gain control, but lazy hands do slave labor. You do not want to be what we call stuck in a job that you don't necessarily want to do, and you're working really hard, and maybe not even for the right pay, all because you didn't pursue something when you were younger, be it uh, education, be it hard work ethic, be it looking at different job types. You don't want to be caught in the middle of your life with all the bills and all that stuff doing what we, the Proverbs would say, slave labor, because you didn't have the foresight while you were younger to say, listen, this will matter one day, what I'm doing for the rest of my life. You don't want to do that. Okay? Um where it sits there and says, uh, he who guards his mouth preserves his life, he opens, I'm sorry, verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 4. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. The soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Again, we just talked about this being a student. I'll tell you a bad example. Myself, I never really studied as much as I should. Shocker. Um, I, just, I really was, can I say this, smart. And I was smart enough to get B's without studying, so I didn't care about the A's. When I got my master's degree, I told myself, this is your last shot. You're going to study. Last shot. That was the desire. See, it says the soul of a lazy man desires. Yeah. So I think my GPA was an A. No, it might have been a 4.0. Makes for a better story. I had straight A's. I had, there was a lot of papers in my master's uh, program. I had one test 
one test, and it was a pretty big chunk of the grade, and I told myself, don't do this. Study for this test. Get the A. Do it. Don't sell out. Last chance. I didn't study. I got a D, and my GPA, I think, was a 3.7 for my master's degree. It was just something I just didn't do, and it really was my last shot because I for sure am not going back to school. But uh, it, it matters. It matters, guys. It matters our work ethic towards those things. There was something I wanted just to kind of prove myself, and I let my own laziness get in the way. I let my own laziness get in the way. And really, to study for a test, it would not have been that much draining of my life. But at that time, I was like, I'm just not going to do it. Busy with a job, busy at home, not going to do it. Okay, let's look at 1423 again. This is the one I want to focus on a little bit. In hard work, there's always something gained, but idle talk leads only to poverty. Let me encourage us with this. Our work ethic towards serving in the assembly. I really want to do this for the Lord. I really do. I really, really do. And what it is, is idle talk. Because you've been wanting to do something to the Lord for years. And you've never done it. It's not so much of a problem that you think it is. When I say that as like a spiritual thing, as much as you're just not working hard. And there's a lot of things involved. Oh, man, this will cost me time. Yes, it will, it will be hard work to join a ministry, to dedicate your time, to dedicate all those things you have to do. But work ethic absolutely comes into play in the assembly. Absolutely. And it's very easy to sit there and say, well, I have other responsibilities. But I don't want to be those who have just idle talk. That leads only to poverty. Can we be a poor church? Can we? I think we can. (laughs) The Lord talks about that. And so, there's just a time where it comes where words don't mean anything anymore. People want to get involved. I want to do this. I want to do that. And nothing ever happens. It's just not okay. We have to be those who are having a really good work ethic. All right, turn to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. How do you work? You work hard. You also work without being told what to do. I'm going to explain this. Verse 6 and chapter 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Having no boss still does her job. Consider that ant and be wise. Now, this is not at all uh, messing up the pattern of authority that God has laid out. That's a very important pattern. But here's the deal. At our normal jobs... When the boss is away, we play. I cannot tell you how many times I've been tempted, knowing if both of my principles are gone at the end of the day, let's just leave 10 minutes early. Because I can. Because <laughs> the boss isn't there. <laughs> it's just not right. Okay? So, we have a work ethic as unto the Lord. We are not just performing for the boss. 
We're not just performing for the boss. Um, let me see here. There's, there's times where here at the assembly, okay, here at the assembly, you'll hear people say, there was no ministries for me to do there. Really? Okay. Well, what they really mean to say sometimes is, there wasn't someone in leadership who walked up to me and told me exactly what to do so I could serve. That's what they really mean. It says, go to the ant, who having no over, if you see a need, guys, there's no magical ministry list that has started here at Brantford. It has always been believers who were moved by the Spirit, and God gave opportunity. That's how things work. How things work. So here at the assembly with our work ethic, if you feel led to do something, come talk to us in leadership. Absolutely. But sometimes there's been an attitude over the last year or two, like I, I didn't know what to join. It really wasn't like clear what, what I could do. And really, you're waiting for us to tell you what to do. That's not how it should be in the assembly. It's really not how it should be. For you students, I put in my syllabus all the time. All the time. Syllabus is, you know, telling me exactly what's going to happen in my class. If you are absent, it's your job to come see me to find out what you missed. If you were absent because you were sick, it's not my job as a teacher to go through the absent list, track you down, and tell you what you missed. But that's exactly what we do with all the time. <laughs> the kids right away, well, I, I, I wasn't here. So did you, did you tell me about that? No, I didn't. You have a job to do outside of those over you. Go to the ant and consider the ways. All the work that ant does without a captain, without a leader. How do those things happen? All right. Finally, I'm going to close with this. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 5. Hard work takes time. Hard work takes time. Time. I shouldn't say I was going to close with this. That's a lie. I'm just talking about this section. <laughs> Sorry. You got really happy. Hard work takes time. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. Plans. Hard work takes time to actually start producing that fruit. Everyone knows it's springtime. A lot of people doing a lot of things in the garden right now. It will be months before you get to enjoy the fruit of the labor. Months. Okay, so sometimes we get so discouraged, we work really hard for a day or two, we work really hard for a week or two, we don't see any results, so we go, see, this doesn't work either. I'm telling you right now, hard work takes time. It's something that's planned out. Okay? Uh, I, I tell this to my students all the time, which was told me, and I didn't do it. Uh, in the area of money, they say if you put away $200 a month from age 18 to 30, by the time you're 65, you will be a millionaire. Will happen. It's just investments. Um, most people don't do it. Why? Because you got to wait till you're 65. I don't care about a million dollars when I'm 65. I care about right now when I'm 20, 21. But imagine if Christians actually started to do this. Imagine it really was quote that easy. Now, again, I'm not the best financial guy, but can you imagine by the time all of us get to that age, we all have enough money to do what? To advance the kingdom. 
That we, we're the ones that now have actually financially planned. We can support more missionaries. We can help the younger people in the assembly. We can start schools and all that. We have money to do so. It takes a vision and a planned out thing. Moms, especially the stay-at-home moms, you're not going to see the fruit of your labor for a while. There was times, again, now, no, this is me, I guess, not Kim, although we both did it with some of our kids, where I remember disciplining them three to four times a day for like two to three week spans, going, this, this is great. My kid's never going to learn. And I'm not living like this either. <laughs> Every day I came home from work, Kim was like, I spanked her twice. And within 10 minutes, she did something like, come here. Like, there was just time periods. And it has to be for the long haul, right? Like, you have to think, this will be okay. When they're 16, 17, they'll look back and actually appreciate it. I don't know if they actually do that. But parenting and running your house is a long haul. You will not see the effects until 15, 20, 25 years down the road. You got a little three-year-old with snot running down and you're trying to discipline and all that stuff. It don't look like it then. It really doesn't. It doesn't look like it. But yes, the day is coming when you will see fruit of your labor. And so we have to be committed to work. We have to be committed, especially in the home of raising the next generation and discipline and order and structure. And all those things are vital for the next generation. They're vital. Vital. And I'm telling you as an encouragement, although it doesn't sound like it, you're not going to see it for a while. You're just not. All right. How do we know if we're working too hard? When does work become an idol? That's interesting. When does work become an idol? Um, I'll say there's three things here that are just quick. Um, Three signs you've made work an idol. I got this, I forgot from somewhere. One, are you completely exhausted all the time from your job? Remember when we go back to Genesis where it says he put him at rest to tend and guard the garden. If you are completely exhausted as a mother, as a worker at your job, as a student in ministry, if you're completely exhausted all the time at the job at hand, something's wrong. It might not even be an idol as much as something's wrong with the job. You're not working wise. You're not working wise. If you're constantly afraid, constantly afraid, you know what kills fear? Oh, what about my kids? What about my kids? Is knowing that you did your best, working hard. Sometimes fear comes in because we know we messed up. You know, I could have done more with my kids, and now what will happen? I could have done more at my job, now what will happen Things like that. Um, you know, pride. Pride. Tim Keller said, Many modern people seek a kind of salvation, self-esteem and self-worth from career success. This leads us to seek only high-paying, high-status jobs and to worship them in perverse ways. For so many, work is not just a job. It's a chance to prove myself, my worth and my value. Why is busy the number one American answer to how are you? It's because we want people to know just how important we are. It's the heart's never-ending quest for self-justification. 
For many, work is how we centrally define ourselves in modern society, the way we measure our worth and success. When we do this, we no longer see work as worship. Instead, we worship work. I think it's pretty amazing. I see it a lot. I see it a lot. And, I, and this applies to all of those jobs we did. Student, stay-at-home mom, regular career, ministry. Uh, do, you, do you have to have that kind of pride? And that's your driving force because you want to get your self-worth from the success of your job. It's not why we work. The ultimate example of work is obviously the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to go through some of these things again and just think about who he is, why we work to provide for your children and enhance their lives. Has not the Lord Jesus done that with his work on the cross? We get heaven. (laughs) There's no better advancement for the children of the next generation than what Jesus Christ did with his work. Okay? So that we don't live off of charity. Um, He definitely wasn't living off charity. In fact, he abased himself, became a bondservant through his work to have influence. Does the work of the Lord Jesus influence the whole world? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay? And work brings riches. No one is exalted higher than the Lord Jesus. No one. He has with him a bride that is so valuable to him and God the Father. So valuable. He's he's unbelievably rich because of his work. Because of his work and who he is. But there's something about his work, what he did here on earth, that has exalted him. I want to encourage us today. Our work ethic matters. It really does. We should know why we work. Okay, and especially for the next generation, if you guys are in here, teenagers or those thinking about jobs, this stuff matters. It matters how you want to pursue what you will be doing day in, day out to live that biblical lifestyle. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so much um, for being the ultimate example, as we've said. Thank you uh, for work. Uh, Thank you that you've designed us to work. Lord, help us to guard against laziness and being like the sloth. Help us to be like the ant uh, works hard. Lord, we just need your wisdom. We pray that you would show us individually uh, how we can apply these things even this week at our jobs. In your name, amen.